We're going to be learning in Chidusha Abinu Chaim Alevi, the first piece in El Tumas Ochlin. This is Perak Beis Halacha Dalid. And in this piece, Rab Chaim is going to show how there's two different debates between the Rambam and the Raivid in certain cases, whether a fruit is considered connected to the tree or not, and how those two debates are related to each other. Now, in the laws of Tumah, there are differences depending on whether something is connected to the ground or not. So at the most basic, something which is connected to the ground so a fruit that's growing or a plant that's growing cannot become tame. So that's the background for this first talacha in the Rambam. The Rambam writes, If a tree dries out and there were fruit on the tree, so there's now a dead tree that has fruit on it, so those fruit are no longer considered connected to the tree and they do get tuma. They're considered tlushim as if they were detached. Similarly, next talacha, the Rambam says, if there were dates that got dried out while they were just starting to sprout, so again, those are considered detached from the tree and they do become tame. So basically, in these two halachas, the Rambam gives two different examples of the same halacha, which is that a dried out fruit or tree, either or, either if the tree dries out or if the fruit on the tree dries out, even if the tree is not dried out, but if the fruit is in either case, the fruit is considered detached and it does become tame. Now, the Raivit disagrees with the Rambam. He writes, This halacha is not in the Mishnah or the Tosefta or the Gemara in Chulin. So the Raivit says there is no source for this halacha. Rather, if the fruit dries out, but it's still connected to the tree, so it's considered connected and it does not become tame. So the Raivit disagrees with the Rambam's view about this. Now, the Kesef Mishnah points out that the Gemara does imply like the Rambam because it says that the brisa which says that dried out fruit are considered attached is not referring to Tuma. So it sounds like dried out fruit is considered detached when it comes to Toma, which is what the Rambam said. And the Gemara in Chulin Kuv says that dates that dry out in their sprouts are considered detached and they do become Tame. So that was exactly what the Rambam quoted. So the question is, why is the Ravid saying there is no source for this Halacha when it's clear in the Gemara? So Rab Chaim quotes that the Mishnah Melech explains that there's a typo in the Ravid. It should say something a little different. Not im Yovshu Bo Peros, if the fruit dried out, it should say instead, im yavesh ubo peros. So you just move the vav from the end of the word yavshu to the beginning of the next word, bo. So that little slight change, moving the vav from the end of one word to the next word, changes the whole meaning of the sentence. Now it means, if it dried out and on it are fruit. So it's talking about the tree drying out, not the fruit drying out. So that's the meaning of the Ravid's question. He's saying, where did the Rambam find any source for the case where the tree itself dried out? The Gemara only discusses the case where the fruit dried out, but the tree is fine. So why is the Rambam extending this halacha also to another case where the tree dried out, but the fruit did not? So the Ravid's view is that even though the Gemara says that if the fruit itself dried out, it's considered detached and it becomes tame. So in that case, he agrees with the Rambam. But in the case where the tree dried out and not the fruit, there the Ravid differentiates that it's still considered attached and it does not become tame. So whereas the Rambam holds whether the fruit 
or the tree, either or, became dried out, it's considered detached and the fruit becomes tamay. According to the Raivid, only when the fruit itself dried out is it considered detached. But if the tree dried out, so then it's still considered attached and it does not become tamay. So this slight emendation, moving the vav to the next word, changes the meaning of the Raivid's question and makes sense of it that what he's asking is actually not a halacha that's mentioned in the Gemara. Now, Rab Chaim wants to understand what are they debating. So he proposes that there's two formulations to explain this whole concept that a dried out fruit is considered detached in terms of the laws of Tumah. Because in general, we don't find any such concept that something that's dried out is considered detached from the object that it's connected to. So why are the fruit of the tree that dry out considered different that with regards to Tumah, they are considered detached? So there's two formulations here. Either we could say that fruit is actually different from other objects. So even though other objects, when they dry out, are still considered attached to the original thing, when it comes to fruit, there's a special halacha that once they dry out, we view them as detached. The other option is that even the fruit is still considered attached to the tree. So in general, halacha views things even once they dry out as attached. The reason why the fruit is able to become tame is a special rule of Tumah that with regards to Tumah, there's a higher level in order to consider something connected to the ground, that it has to be an actually growing fruit. And this is based on the Sifra in Parshas Shemini, which derives the rule that things that are connected to the ground don't become Tameh from Zera Zarua, something that's planted. So that means it's not enough to just be connected, it also has to be growing in the ground. So that's why fruit that dries out, even though we do consider it attached to the tree, but it's not enough to prevent Tumah because it's not considered growing in the ground once it dried out. So those are the two formulations. Either the fruit has a special halacha that once it dries out, it's considered detached from the tree, or it is considered attached like anything else that dries out. But the criteria for Tumah is that it only prevents Tumah if it's still growing in the ground, not if it's dried out and attached to the ground. So now, says Rab Chaim, the Raivid holds like the first formulation. There is no special rule for Tumah that in order to be protected from Tumah, it has to be growing in the ground. It's the regular old rules. Anything that's attached to the ground is prevented from Tumah. So in order for this fruit to avoid Tumah, it does not need to be growing. All it needs to be is considered attached to the ground. Now, if the fruit dries up, so then it's a special exception that we consider it deep detached from the tree. So the Raivid holds of the first formulation, and that's exactly why he differentiates between if the fruit dried up versus if the tree dried up. Because if the fruit dried up, so then we could apply this idea and say that it's considered detached from the tree. So that's why it becomes tame because it's no longer considered attached. But if the tree dried up and the fruit is still fine and it's still attached to this tree, so there's no way to argue that this fruit is detached from the tree. It's definitely connected to the tree, so there's no way for it to become tame. Because again, according to the Raivid, there is no special criteria for Tumah. It's the regular old rules that anything that's attached to the ground does not become tame. The only exception to that is what the Gemara
Gemara itself mentions that if the fruit itself dried up, so then it's considered detached and it does become Tameh. But if the tree dried up and not the fruit, so then the fruit is certainly still considered attached and it cannot become Tameh. And Rab Chaim points out that if you read the language of the Ravid carefully, so he seems to say this almost straight out because he writes, If the tree dried out, but the fruit is still connected. So the Ravid is making this point that if the fruit dried up, then it's no longer connected. But if the tree dried up and not the fruit, then it is still connected. So of course it doesn't become Tameh. So that's the basis for the Ravid's approach. Now, according to the Rambam who disagrees, and he holds that even if the tree dried out, the fruit still becomes Tameh. So either because he holds of the other formulation of this whole concept, which is that there's a special criteria for Tumah, that only if it's still growing in the ground, it can't become Tameh. But if it's no longer growing, even if it's attached, then it does become Tameh. So that's why the Rambam says it doesn't matter whether the fruit dried up or the tree dried up. Either way, it's no longer growing. So it doesn't fit the criteria for being connected to the ground to avoid Tumah. So that's why in either case, the fruit becomes Tameh. Or says Rab Chaim, even if the Rambam agrees with the first formulation, which is the Ravid's approach, he could still disagree with the Ravid on this detail because that approach was that fruit that dries up is no longer considered attached to the tree, so that's why it becomes Tameh. So the Rambam may feel that even if the tree dried up, still the fruit is no longer considered attached to the tree. That's part of the whole special rule of fruit, that once either it or the tree dries up, the fruit is now considered detached. So that's why it becomes Tameh. So those are the two options to formulate the Rambam's approach. Either he agrees overall with the Ravid, he just disagrees on the detail of whether it's limited to the fruit drying up or not, or he disagrees with the formulation fundamentally of the Ravid, and he holds that the problem with fruit that dries up is a special Tumah problem, that it has to be growing in the ground, and that's why if the tree dried up, even though the fruit is still considered attached, but since it's not growing anymore, so it becomes Tameh. So that's the first debate between the Rambam and the Ravid. Now Rab Chaim goes to another debate, which has to do with the laws of Machshirin. The rule of Tumah is that a fruit does not become Tameh unless it's washed in liquid beforehand. So if it's picked and it's not washed at all, so then it will not become Tameh. Now this washing has to be done with the owner's approval. So they have to want the water to wash their produce in order to make it susceptible to Tumah. And this is derived because the Torah says Ki yutan mayim al zera. If water is placed on the produce. But this is actually a Cree and a Ksiv, meaning it's written a little differently than it's pronounced. It's written ki yitain, which means if he places the water on the produce, and it's read ki yutan, which seems to imply even if someone else did it. So we learn from both of these words together that someone else can do it, but it must be with the owner's consent. So now this is the context for the Mishnah in the first chapter of Machshirin, kol mashke if the beginning was with the owner's consent, even if the end was not. 
or the other way. If the end was with the owner's consent, even if the beginning was not, it's still considered kiyutan. It fulfills the Torah's criteria of consent. So in this case, the produce could become tame. Now, what does it mean beginning and end? So this is a debate between the Rambam and the Raibid. The Rambam in these halachas, Tumas Ochlin chapter 12, writes, Kol mashke shenafal al ha'ochel betchila beratzon balim, any liquid which falls on food with the initial consent of the owners, afal pishen sofa beratzon, even though at the end, so while it was dripping afterwards, the owner regretted he did not have consent, or the other way, oshaya sofa beratzon vein tchilaso beratzon, or if the end of the pouring was with the owner's consent, even though originally when he started pouring, it was not with the owner's consent, either way, that counts and hichshir. So now the produce can become tame. But if the owner had no consent, not at the beginning or the end of the pouring, so then it's not with his consent and the produce does not become tame. So the Rambam understands beginning and end refers to the process of pouring. The beginning means when he started pouring and the end means at the end of the pouring. And if the owner consents to either of those times, so that's enough to make the produce tame. Now the Ravid disagrees with this and he writes don't say that the beginning here refers to the beginning of the pouring it refers to when he initially drew the water so then, even though the pouring was done entirely without consent, not at the beginning nor at the end of the pouring, so the entire pouring was without the owner's consent, it's still machshir, the produce still becomes tameh, because when the water was initially gathered, it was with the owner's consent. So according to the Ravid, the beginning and the end of this Mishnah refers to the process of gathering the water, that's the beginning, and the end is pouring the water. And if the owner consents to either or of those times, that's enough to make the produce tame. So that's the debate between the Rambam and the Raivid, how to understand beginning and end in this Mishnah. So Rab Chaim explains the reason for their debate is that the Rambam holds on a practical level that the owner's consent is required both at the moment of gathering the water as well as at the moment of pouring. It's not enough to have his consent for either or of those times, he needs consent at both of those times for the produce to become tame. Although within the pouring, he doesn't need to consent the entire time, only at the either beginning or at the end. The Ravid though disagrees and holds that the owner's consent is enough either when the water is initially gathered or when it's poured on the produce. Now the explanation for the Rambam's view that the owner's consent is required at both times is because there are two different sources in the Torah, which teach us both of these halachas. So the first halacha that the owner has to consent to the gathering of the water is based on a sifra in Shmini. The Torah says, any liquid which is drunk in a vessel. So the medrash derives from there that the person has to detach the water from the ground, meaning when they draw the water, they detach it from the ground. So that has to be done with the intention to pour this water over detached produce. So that's the first stage of this, that the owner has to consent to the detaching, meaning the drawing of the water. Then there's a second source in the Torah, which is the Pasuk of Kiyutan, Kiyitain, the Kriya Niksiv. So that's referring to the pouring on the water.
water, and that also has to be done with the owner's consent. So since there are two different verses in the Torah which speak about the owner's consent, one is talking about when the water is detached from the ground, and one is talking about when it's poured over detached produce. So the Rambam maintains that they're both necessary for the produce to become tame. If there's only consent at one of those times, that's not enough. There has to be consent both when the water is gathered as well as when it's poured. So when the Mishnah says that you only need consent either at the beginning or the end, it cannot be referring to these two times because you need consent at both of these times. So instead, the beginning and the end of the Mishnah must refer to within the pouring process that the owner only needs to consent for some part of the pouring process, not the entire thing. Now, the Ravid disagrees with the Rambam and he maintains that it is enough for the owner to consent either when the water is gathered or when it's poured. But he doesn't need to consent at both of those times. Now, even though, as Rab Chaim just said, there are two different sources in the Torah that speak about his consent, so how does the Ravid get around that requirement that the owner consent both to the gathering of the water and the pouring? So Rab Chaim explains that the Ravid understands when the Torah says kiyitain, that the owner has to consent to the pouring of the water, so the Ravid understands that both the gathering of the water, meaning when it's detached from the ground, as well as when it's poured over the produce, those are just reverse mirror images of each other. They're both an act of detaching the water. So even though the Torah refers to it in two different places, but either one of them alone is sufficient because the basic rule is when the water is detached from the ground or when it's detached again by being poured, it has to be done with the owner's consent. But if the owner consents to either of those times, that's enough to fulfill the whole halacha because effectively both of those times are reverse mirror images of each other. They're both moments when the water is disconnected from the ground and then it's disconnected again by being poured. So having the owner's intention at either of those times fulfills the requirement and now the produce is able to become tameh. So that's how the Ravid understands the Mishnah. The beginning refers to when the water is detached from the ground. The end refers to when the water is detached again by being poured and the owner's intention at either or of those times is sufficient. And Rab Chaim says that his interpretation of the debate between the Rambam and the Ravid also explains the next halacha in halacha Gimel. The Rambam writes, If water was detached from the ground against the owner's will, that water cannot make food able to become Tameh. So now if a person or a vessel or produce got mixed in with this water and then they were taken out from the water all without the owner's consent. So now there's a dripping person or vessel or produce that has water that got on there without the owner's consent. So now even though food came in contact with that liquid with the owner's consent, so the water transferred from the dripping person to food and that was done with the owner's consent 
wasn't still lo huchshiru. That food cannot become tameh. Because that water initially was detached without the owner's consent. So it says, if the water is still in the ground and it cannot make the food susceptible to tuma. So the Rambam explains, even though the liquid touched the food with the owner's consent, it still does not make it susceptible to tuma because it left the ground initially without the owner's consent. Now the Ravid disagrees. He says, Obviously the Rambam would agree that if the liquid was gathered from the ground with the owner's consent and then sprinkled on the food, so obviously the food could become Tameh. So if so, says the Ravid, So in this case also the food should be able to become Tameh. So the way Rab Chaim explains his question, it's that if when the liquid was collected with the owner's consent and then sprinkled on the food, that makes the food susceptible to Tumah. So in this case, it should be the same thing. Even though initially the liquid left the ground without the owner's consent, but once it's sprinkled on the food, that was with the owner's consent and that's a form of detachment as well. So not only detaching from the ground, but also being poured on the food also is a way to detach the liquid. And since the owner gave consent to that, so that should be sufficient for the food to be able to become Tameh. So this is the same debate between the Rambam and the Raivid. The Rambam holds that both the collection from the ground as well as the pouring have to be done with the owner's consent. And the Raivid holds that just the pouring alone is enough so long as the owner consents at that point because that's also considered a form of detachment by pouring the liquid on the food. So this is the same debate between the Rambam and the Raivid. Now Rab Chaim explains the Rambam's view that having the owner's consent when the liquid is poured on the food is not sufficient because he says that there are times when it's going to be the case that that pouring is not considered a detachment so the owner's consent is not sufficient. So one example is let's say the liquid came into contact with the food when the food was still connected to the ground and at that point there was the owner's consent but then the food was cut from the ground and it still had liquid dripping from it but at that point it didn't have the owner's consent so he did not want liquid on it at that point. So now that's an example where the liquid was put on the food with the owner's consent. So that fulfills the second requirement that when the liquid is poured on the food, it be with the owner's consent. But it's missing the first requirement that when the liquid is detached, it be with the owner's consent because this liquid was initially poured on attached produce. So at that moment, there was no consent from the owner for this first aspect that the liquid needs to be detached from the ground with the owner's consent. And then when they cut the produce, so even though the liquid is now on the food, but it's missing that aspect of having been detached with the owner's consent. And furthermore, when he initially gave consent for the liquid to be poured on the produce, that did not include detaching the liquid because then it was going to be poured on attached produce.
So this is one example where the water is poured on the produce with the owner's consent. So in terms of the second aspect, that the food needs to come in contact with the liquid with the owner's consent, that's fulfilled. But it's missing the first aspect that the owner never consented to the detachment of the liquid. So this is one way to answer the Ravid's question. He assumes any time the liquid is poured on the food, it includes the owner's consent for the detachment of the liquid, but this is one example where that would not be true. Says Rab Chaim, there's another example as well. Let's say the owner consented at the end of the pouring, but not at the beginning when he first started pouring. So that's another example where the food comes into contact with the liquid with the owner's consent. So the second requirement is fulfilled, but there's no detachment of the liquid with the owner's consent because when he initially started pouring, he did not have the owner's consent. The third example Rab Chaim says is let's say the food was dipped into the liquid with was attached to the ground. So at that moment, the liquid was not detached. The food was dipped in there with the owner's consent, but then the food was removed along with the liquid without the owner's consent. So that's another example where the food comes into contact with the liquid with the owner's consent, but the liquid is not detached with the owner's consent. So there are three examples that the Rambam could respond to the Ravid, where there are cases where the second requirement, that the liquid be poured on the food with the owner's consent is fulfilled, but the liquid is not detached with the owner's consent, so the first requirement was not fulfilled. So it's not true to say that any time the liquid is poured over the food, it automatically constitutes consent, both for detaching the liquid as well as pouring it on the food. So from Rab Chaim's analysis, it sounds like the Rambam would largely agree with the Raivid. In a normal case where someone takes liquid from a container and pours it over the produce, even though initially that water was gathered without the owner's consent, according to the Rambam, the act of pouring is consent both for the gathering of the water as well as pouring it on the food. So he would agree with the Raivid in the normal cases. But the Rambam's language is coming to teach us that there are many unusual cases where it's not true to say that any time the liquid ends up on the food, it automatically constitutes full consent because there are these examples Rab Chaim came up with, these three cases where the water is on the food, but it's still not considered consent for the detachment of the liquid. So that's what the Rambam is trying to emphasize, that there is a requirement that the liquid also be detached from the ground with the owner's consent. There is a Pusik in the Torah which refers to that requirement as well. Not only the requirement from Kiyitain that when the liquid touch the food, it be with the owner's consent. The Raivet, on the other hand, disagrees with the Rambam and he holds that anytime the liquid comes in contact with the food, with the owner's consent, that constitutes a full consent, including the fact that the liquid was detached with the owner's consent. So there is no such thing as splitting between these two cases when the liquid was gathered versus when it was poured, that there could be consent for one moment and not the other. As soon as there's consent at the moment of pouring, that automatically includes 
the detaching of the water. So now based on this, Rab Chaim adds that we need to go even a step further in the Raivid and basically collapse this whole distinction. So it's not just that the Raivid holds, there are two different aspects like the Rambam, but they both get fulfilled through pouring the water. It's even a stronger formulation. The Raivid rejects this whole dual aspect of this Halacha. According to the Rambam, there are two different steps. When the water is gathered versus when the water is poured. But according to the Raivid, they're effectively the same thing. So the Torah requires the owner's consent, and that includes both the gathering of the water and the pouring of the water. But they're basically the same thing. Because according to the Raivid, if there's consent either for the gathering or for the pouring, that's sufficient. Now the moment of pouring includes the gathering of the water as well. So when would we ever apply the halacha that the pouring of the water needs consent if every time the water is either gathered or even if it's poured with the owner's consent, both of those are considered a gathering of the water. So when do we ever need the halacha that if the water was gathered without consent but poured with consent, that's sufficient. So it must be that the Ravid really doesn't see any distinction because if we're going to distinguish between these two different times, there's no application for that halacha that if the gathering was without consent but the pouring was with consent that's still enough. So it must be according to the Raivid, this whole case is just one halacha. There needs to be consent that could either be done at the gathering or the pouring but those distinctions are basically irrelevant. The Torah's requirement is that the owner has to consent to the water coming onto the food. Once that happens so then the food can become tameh but there is no real distinction between gathering and pouring. So at the end of this analysis, Rab Chaim has a major difference between the Rambam and the Raivid in this regard. According to the Rambam, the owner's consent is required both at the gathering of the water and the pouring, and that's based on two different psukim, the Cholmashke versus Kiyitain. As opposed to the Raivid, who initially Rab Chaim thought that he disagrees and holds that both of those requirements can be fulfilled at the time of pouring, but in the end, Rab Chaim shows that his formulation has to be stronger, that there is no distinction between these two. The basic rule is that the owner has to consent and that can be done at either time, but it's the same consent whether at the gathering or at the pouring. So now in the final paragraph, Rab Chaim ties together these two debates and shows how the Raivid and the Rambam are following the same approach in both of them. When it comes to the Halacha of Machshirin, so Rab Chaim's just showed that according to the Raivid, the Pasuk of Kiyite which says that we need the owner's consent includes two different aspects of the case. One is when the liquid is detached from the ground and the second is when it's poured over the produce. Now the produce that it's poured over must also be detached from the ground. If the liquid is poured on attached produce, so that doesn't count and that produce does not become susceptible to tuma even after it's detached. The liquid must be poured on the produce after it's already detached from the ground. And that the Torah's koanim in Parshas Shmini learns from this Pasuk of Kiyitain. So included in this Pasuk are two different aspects of the Halacha. One is that the liquid being
being detached from the ground has to be with consent of the owners. And the second is that it has to be poured over produce, which is also detached from the ground. Now, putting all this together, so what the Torah is teaching in this Pasuk is that the person has to detach the liquid from the ground with the intention of pouring it over produce, which is detached. So there's two elements of detachment going on here. One is that the liquid must be detached, and at that moment, the intention has to be to pour it over detached produce. So now it's going to follow from this that the criteria for detachment in these two cases are the same thing. Because the water becomes detached when it's intended to be used for a detached produce. So that means the meaning of detached produce has to parallel the meaning of detached water. Now when it comes to the water, so the Mishnah says clearly that if the water was collected with the intention of washing the wall, So that's not considered detached because since the wall is connected to the ground, so the water intended to be poured on it is not considered detached. If it's collected to wash a vessel, so that is considered detached because it's going to be used for a vessel which is detached from the ground. So now applying that criteria to the produce, it means that what's defined as detached produce is the same definition of detachment throughout the whole So whatever is considered detached normally in halacha is considered detached in the produce. But there's no special criteria for what's considered a detached fruit in the laws of Tumah. It's just the regular application of the definition of detached throughout the whole halacha and we apply it as well in the case of Tumah to the produce. Anything that would ordinarily be considered detached like a vessel is considered detached in the case of Tumah, including produce, as opposed to what's generally considered attached in halacha, like a wall. So that's also the definition of attached when it comes to Tumah. So this shows that according to the Ravid's reading of these sources, the definition of detached in the laws of Tumah is parallel to detached throughout halacha. So that explains the original ruling of the Ravid, that if the tree dried up, but not the fruit, that's not considered detached. Because again, there is no special criteria for Tumah. So it's whatever would be considered detached in the rest of Halacha. It's the same in the laws of Tumah. So if the tree dried up and the fruit was still connected, that would be considered attached in the rest of Halacha. So for the laws of Tumah, it's also considered attached. So basically, the Ravid is applying his analysis from the laws of Machshirin, which shows that produce of Tumah has the same criteria for detachment as the rest of halacha and he applies the same thing to whether or not this produce can become tameh to begin with and again he says that it has to follow the same criteria of detachment as the rest of halacha and Rab Chaim says that this is based on a gemara in Chulin Kuf Beis which itself refers to machshirin as the beginning of the process of Tumah so we see this connection between machshirin and Tumah and that explains also how these two views of the Ravid are interconnected as opposed to the Rambam 
who does not believe that the Pasuk of Kiyitain includes the gathering of the water as well as the detachment of the produce. According to the Rambam, that Pasuk is only talking about pouring the water on the produce. But the gathering of the water is a totally different source. So there is no built-in connection between the criteria of gathering the water and the produce being detached. So we have no proof that detached produce for Tumah is the same as the rest of the Torah. So then we could say that in fact it's a different criteria. The criteria of attachment for produce of Tumah is a higher level based on the Medrash Rab Chaim quoted earlier that it needs to be not only attached to the ground but also growing in the ground. So that's why the Rambam holds whether the fruit dried up or whether the tree dried up, either way since the produce is no longer growing it's not considered attached regarding the criteria of Tumah even though in the rest of Halacha a dried tree with a fruit attached would be considered attached but in this case it doesn't meet the criteria of Tumah because it's not growing. So according to the Rambam in both of those cases whether the tree dried up or the fruit dried up it can become Tameh because it's considered detached and he does not have any analysis in the laws of Machshirin which compares the detachment of produce in the laws of Tumah with the rest of Halacha. So this would be one way to formulate why the Rambam disagrees with the Raivit in the case of the dried up tree based on his disagreement with him in the laws of Machshirin. But then Rab Chaim repeats what he said earlier that it's not even necessary to say that because even if the Rambam holds that it is the same criteria of detachment as the rest of the Torah, the Rambam could still hold that when the tree dried up, the fruit is still considered a dried up because fruit has a special criteria that if either the fruit or the tree dries up, according to halacha, that's considered a detached. Not being a special halacha in the laws of Tumah, but being something unique to the laws of fruit. So this is Rab Chaim's piece to explain these halachas in the Rambam and the Ravid and to show how possibly the two debates regarding which produce is considered attached in the laws of Tumah as well as when the owner's consent is needed in the laws of Machshirin, how they may be interconnected. The key conceptual point that Rab Chaim develops is that according to the Rambam and the Ravid, there are two different perspectives on the owner's consent in the laws of Machshirin. According to the Rambam, there are two moments of consent, when the water is gathered as well as when the water is poured. And according to the Raivid, consent just means for the water to get onto the produce and that can be done at either of those times.